Welcome to the Guernsey Press Arts Podcast, a podcast about the arts in Guernsey, produced by the press and presented by me, Simon Delarue. In this edition, we'll be hearing from David LePage about his very personal quest to seek out a more profound method of musical expression as he prepares for a unique series of performances in three of our parish churches this weekend. I, I, I think we've lost touch a little bit with what music's actually for and and how it's presented, particularly in, in the classical world. And there's something I'd like to get in touch with, which is a little bit more ancient, I think. We'll hear from the man who runs the Princess Royal Centre for Performing Arts, Oliver Bailey Davis, about what a new post-16 campus at Les Oswe would mean to him. The opportunities that the Leosway post-16 campus delivers the theatre really selfishly. I mean, it's great for everybody, but for me, it's a real massive opportunity to change the face of the performing arts because we can start developing the whole industry and not just looking at that kind of performance element. And we'll hear from the writer, the director and the score composer of the latest new film to be shot here in Guernsey, At Death We Part. We didn't want to touch on this subject in a way that wasn't authentic, so we really worked hard on making sure that the characters going through this had some form of backing. Um, Myself, I've gone through moments like this, and it's definitely influenced the writing of the characters in the film and the story as a whole. We've got so much to talk about this month that we're sending two editions your way, so look out in the next few days for a separate podcast on this feed looking back at two innovative theatre productions, Picasso at the Lapin Agile, which was put on by Gadoc Fringe, and The Last Five Years, an MTG musical performed by three separate casts. And also Ross Fossey from Guernsey Arts will talk to us about their strategy for community engagement. Pilgrimage to Bark is a series of three free concerts being performed this weekend in three separate venues, Friday evening at the Vale Church, Saturday evening at St Peter's Church, and then Sunday evening at the Town Church. The star attraction is the music of Johann Sebastian Bach, as performed by Guernsey's foremost classical musician, David LePage. His performances of Bach's complete series of sonatas and partidas over the three evenings will be complemented by Gregorian plain chants from a group led by Joseph Edwards and extracts from T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets, read by two local actors. I caught up with David at the Vale Church graveyard following a rehearsal on Monday evening and asked him to explain the origins of the project. The idea behind Pilgrimage to Bark is to get away from the normal concert experience, uh, by which I mean there's a certain uh, ritual about classical music concerts and um, personally, if I'm sitting in an audience, I find it quite difficult to find the headspace to appreciate the music in the way that I want to uh, with all of the qualities that are inherent in it. You know, in relation to solo Bach, for example, they're very complex, intense pieces of music. And I find it's difficult to fit them within a recital program, for example. So the idea behind this concert is to place them in a context along with words by T.S. Eliot and uh, Gregorian chant and for the audience to have time to think 
because the context is so different and hear the music in a different way. And in a, it's very spiritual music. It's, it's obviously was written um, in a secular way, but Bach was a very spiritual man. Um, that spirituality was to do with the Christian faith, but that's you can listen to the music in a spiritual way without relating it to that. And I think that's really my point. And I wanted to marry that with the idea of playing this music in Guernsey, where I was born, in these wonderful ancient spaces, which are not always used for performances of this kind. I use the word performance um, uh, differently in, in this sense, because I'm really trying to think of it as more of a, a ritual than a performance. And I think, so above all, it's about appreciating that music, but allowing people to be together in a space, uh, in a communal way, uh, in a way that they can't be in a concert, I feel. And um, I, I think we've lost touch a little bit with what music's actually for uh, and and how it's presented, particularly in, in the classical world. And there's something I'd like to get in touch with, which is a little bit more ancient, I think. And um, that's m my idea, my thinking behind the whole thing. So it sounds as though you have a purpose to this that is, is very personal, goes perhaps above and beyond your perhaps more routine, well, if I can use that word routine, um, the, the, the more uh, fr frequent types of performance that you might give in, in your professional music life. Absolutely, although in the last uh, three or four years I've been uh, artistic director of a uh, chamber orchestra based in the Midlands, called Orchestra of the Swan, and I've certainly been turning the orchestra in, in that direction. So a lot of the projects that we do are about trying to reconnect with that idea of spirituality and what music can do for uh, an audience as an entity. Um, if, you, if you put an audience in a concert hall in front of a symphony orchestra or a violin soloist, they tend to behave in a certain way. I think immediately in this space, hearing words and hearing uh, music from a completely different era for example the gregorian chant you're immediately particularly in relation to the words you're hearing the music in a different way because those words are echoing in your ears and i think it is a little bit of a personal crusade i think i hope it's one that people w would appreciate and it is about serving the music in the best way that we possibly can so it's not about the bark who we see in pictures with the with the rough and the wig uh, it's about a, a bark who is still very present and contemporary and um, it's something that perhaps in other forms of music we tend to be a little bit more connected with but there's something about classical music which is is a little bit stuck in that late 19th century time warp and I, and i I do have um, a bit of a mission to get away from that as a personal thing. Some people love that, and that's the reason they go to to concerts. But I think the music is so universal. Plain chant, you know, it sounds as contemporary now as it did then. The words of T.S. Eliot sort of echo across all eras. And I think certainly the music of Bach does. It's a, bit, a particular example of music which is really not coloured by the time that it was written in. Given your goal 
mm-hmm. uh, regarding this um, um, redefining of the um, the hearing of music as opposed to the performance of music, perhaps, and, and the experiencing of it. Did it have to be Bach? I think Bach is probably the most suitable music for this, and particularly solo Bach, where it's unadorned. There's no all the harmony and the contrapuntal. Uh, movement that goes on is contained within one instrument. I mean, the the Chaconne, the very, probably the most famous uh, work from that set of sonatas and partitas, is a really amazing example of that. It's a whole world of music uh, within one single voice, the the violin. So I I do think it had to be Bach in that respect. Well, there we go. <laughs> That's uh, calling time on us. <laughs> I think the bells. Yeah. yeah. David LePage there. It was fascinating to speak to him about the project. I think it's safe to say he feels very much at home in the moment of performing Bach's music, and this series is effectively an attempt to take us there with him. The three concerts are all at 8pm each evening from Friday, beginning with the Vale Church, moving on to St Peter's, and finishing at the Town Church on Sunday. Each one-hour concert features different passages of music, chant and poetry, and they're all being supported by Guernsey Arts and are, it's worth reminding you, entirely free. From an interview in a graveyard to a film about death now, At Death We Part is an hour-long film written and produced by Daniel Hollingworth and directed by Dave Hyatt, with both also acting in the production. They popped by to the Guernsey Press recently along with score composer Kaya Ashton, and we ventured out into the sunshine to discuss the project ahead of the premiere at the Mallard Cinema, which is coming up soon, on Monday the 28th of August. I began by asking Daniel to describe the film. So the film is all about death, in essence. It's about grief uh, and the loss of a loved one. It explores um, Tom, the main character who I play, uh, and the downward spiral his relationship with his girlfriend Emily takes to the point where she unfortunately commits suicide. And the story follows how he copes with that great loss in his life. And it's, yeah, it's quite a um, stylized film in the way that it doesn't focus too, too much on um, the whole relationship, more so the aftermath of, of that event. And uh, did the final script that you had ready to go um, sort of evolve a large amount from what you originally intended? I mean, tell me a little bit about the that writing process for you. Yeah, so the original script was um, a lot longer than the final copy, and it, it did delve a lot more into the suicidal aspect of the story. But when we came to do the revised version of the script, we felt it just dragged on a little bit too much um, and then chatting to Dave about the story we came up with quite a few good revisions went back and did a rewrite and yeah came out came out to what it is now I mean, obviously a very uh, difficult subject to mm. address I mean what sort of concerns did you have over how you were going to approach that yeah the main concern was we didn't want to um, make it fake we didn't want to um, touch on this subject in a way that wasn't authentic so we really worked hard on making sure that the characters going through this had some form of backing um myself i've gone through moments like this and it's definitely influenced the writing of the characters in the film and the story as a whole 
And did the script undergo further revision during the filming process, or did it sort of um, survive that process, as it were? Yeah, I think the the initial core ideas of the film were all there. We obviously, when you film a film, it it's going to adapt um, from the original script, and we were lucky enough to be able to play with the scenes quite a lot. So yeah, it's um, the core of the film is still there, but we've yeah we've had the luxury of being able to change things on the day uh, as we needed to. Uh, yeah, I'm Dave Hyatt, and I'm the director and uh, actor in it as well. Oh, so tell me about the process of directing this uh, film from your perspective and, and uh, what you've made of the script when Daniel first presented it to you. Uh, well, this is my first sort of full sort of short film that I've directed. Um, I've only directed sort of short scenes before with um, sort of a- mostly action or comedy or something. So I was a bit nervous at first, but um, I sort of looked at the script and thought, OK, how can we... Um, make the scenes come alive and how can we shoot it where it's also very interesting to watch not not just kind of like flat if you like so I just looked at the scenes and um, spoke to Daniel and then the, uh, the, the cast as we were there and sort of played the scene and then I sort of went oh I think we maybe need to go this direction or this direction or could you have the anger there and then just played with the scenes as the actors were playing it and I felt that was kind of the smoothest and easiest way to do it um, live and fresh. And um, in terms of the selection of the cast, I mean, obviously you're a cast member yourself, and so so is Daniel. Um, but I mean, in terms of the other roles, did what was the process like in bringing them on board? Uh, well, actually, um, Dan um, did that side of it because he he already sort of had a, a game plan of who he wanted. Um, I was just lucky enough that there was one short, and I just said, "Well, should I just jump in?" Quentin Tarantino moment, uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, and then and everyone was perfect. You know, um, again, just a little chat. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Things like that made them come alive, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that process. Really. And so, as a first-time director, what did you learn through this process? Um, but I think it's easier if you're an actor first because you're kind of used to being told what to do. Also, you go on feelings. But from the outside, you can also spot things that maybe the actor doesn't notice that they're either doing or where they wanted to go or um, things like that. So uh, that was really interesting to go, oh, actually, I've just things just spark that I wouldn't have maybe done myself. But then I can see it and thought, actually, that might be quite nice. Can we try that? So that was, again, a learning curve for me as well. And uh, a word about the, uh, the music for this uh, film. Uh, the music? Uh, well, actually, I've kept that all a complete secret to myself. I actually haven't heard anything yet, so it, the whole thing is going to be a nice surprise for me as well. So that's obviously Kaya's business. Hello. <laughs> that is me. Um, my name's Kaya Ashton, and I'm the composer for the film. Uh, so tell me um, about what, at what point you uh, began your work on this and uh, how you approached it. Well, I think Dan dropped me a message at the start of the year, like end of January, early Feb. Um, I was like, I've got this film. It's about suicide. Do you want to write the soundtrack? I was like, I'm in. (laughs) Um, And so I started writing for it in April. And at that point, we had only like I had only received one scene (laughs) to start working on. But I had the whole script and I started writing just a few ideas, drawing from my own personal experiences. Um, A lot of my own songwriting has been based around my mental health as well. So this was quite familiar territory in a way, but totally different to try and fit it to pre-existing characters and, you know, an actual film. So that was really cool. Um, Spent a couple of weeks doing it in April and then little bits here and there. And then in the last months, kind of bashed it all out and properly recorded it. 
So you described there your initial very um, enthusiastic response, but I mean, w were you in some way sort of trepidatious ab about this? Because this is obviously going to be, uh, w when you start on something like this, quite, quite a difficult piece of work to pull out. Yeah, definitely. I, I felt a bit, I was up for the challenge, but it was definitely going to be a challenge. I've only written as a solo artist, um, so writing for my vocals, writing for guitar and writing for piano. That's all that I have experienced doing up until now <laughs> so um with this like we had a conversation me and dan quite early on where you know you wanted it to be quite built up and you wanted strings and like we had a conversation about drums and stuff although that was a little out of my range <laughs> as i found out um but yeah so it's um it's definitely the most built up piece of songwriting that i've ever created and is it something you are now got an appetite for is would you want to repeat the experience well i think I think I'm happy with where the film is at and I think it, I needed to have a, a deadline, a cut-off point because I was chatting to a couple of, of industry friends who have done this sort of thing before and the issue is that you can you can just keep going. If you let yourself, you will just keep building on it. So I think I've had to draw a line under this project now but it is something that I really want to revisit and like I've learned quite a lot just from experimenting with this you know I had no idea how to program MIDI before I wrote this soundtrack it's like it, but it opens up so many possibilities. And so uh, Daniel a, a word about your own sort of uh, emotional journey from this I mean obviously you've come a long way from the point of putting uh, pen to paper or characters to um, word uh, word document um, <laughs> Uh, to this point where you're awaiting the, the, the premiere, uh, what has this whole process been like for you? Yeah, it's been incredible. It's been so much fun to be able to work with, you know, a wide range of incredibly talented people on the island to make this film. And, it, you know, it started as a, a thought of going, well, I really like making theatre, but can we delve into film uh, and just shooting for the stars? Uh, and it's turned out amazing. And we're now, yeah, really excited to show everyone the final product at the premiere and it's been yeah it's been nearly a year now so it's 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 nice to be getting to the end point were you aided in that in any way by the fact that uh, making films in guernsey just seems to be a less foreign experience than it used to be because we've seen a raft of them in recent years haven't we yeah i think i was lucky enough when i started my performing arts training to be coming up when the film industry in guernsey started to really boom and being lucky enough to work on projects like occupied and marind awakening really delves me into the world of film so it's so nice to be able to do it so freely and without too much worry uh, about how a Guernsey audience would receive it it's yeah it's amazing and I hope that this is a testament to other young Guernsey filmmakers of the fact that it's possible and you can do it just go and go for it. And in, in in that regard, were you able to secure any sort of financial help either through grants or sponsorship? So the film was fully funded uh, by ourselves. Yeah, it was um, a low budget short. The film itself cost around about a thousand pounds to make. Um, so yeah, luckily we were able to you know forfeit that money and and put it into the film. But yeah. And so we've uh, whetted uh, the appetites of our listeners uh, about this. So when can they uh, first see this movie? So the 28th of August, which is a Monday, at the Mallard Cinema is our Guernsey premiere. Uh, you can come down, there is live music, a free glass of Prosecco, there is a photographer, black tie is welcome, uh, a Q&A uh, with the cast and crew, and a screening of the film, all for the price of £10. Writer, producer and actor in At Death We Part, Daniel Hollingworth there. As with film, theatre has boomed in recent times here in Guernsey, 
But while few productions seem to struggle for willing actors, are there enough people behind the scenes to keep up with demand? Well, no, according to the director of the Princess Royal Centre for Performing Arts, which is part of the Guernsey Institute. Oliver Bailey Davis is keeping his fingers crossed that a solution may soon be at hand if the post-16 campus at Les Oseway goes ahead. I think there's a lot of focus in Guernsey um, on performance, and I think that's great. And, and I've been here for nine years, and I've seen a real growth in the professional performing market here, but also the amateur community theatre has expanded massively. There's a great sense of people setting up schools and the kind of running their businesses as creators and performers. But what is lacking, and it's not just in Guernsey, but in, in the UK currently, there's a, a major drought in technical, skilled, backstage people, um, lighting designers, sound designers, people that can just rig a whole setup. And I know in Guernsey that there is um, there's also a shortage of um, people who can run the events. There are some really big name companies here who are great for their events, um, but they are there is a lack of people to do it. So I speak to a lot of pe people who are fatigued. You know, they are throwing shows up, taking them down, putting on the next, putting on the next. And it is a it's definitely an industry or an area of the industry that needs to be better promoted. And the production arts um, is something that we are definitely looking at in the Guernsey Institute to kind of start training people up in. So what what is available currently and to whom here locally? Well, there is nothing specific as far as I'm aware. Um, I've been speaking to people at Beausajour and some of the events companies as well. As far as I'm aware, the only way of doing it is sort of learning on the job. So it, it comes from probably young people who have been interested in that through school maybe and then they they sort of fall into it and it's it's a word of mouth thing the course that the guernsey institute run is is performing and production arts it's a, a combined training and we we definitely look at training performers to understand the whole business of putting a show on and not just standing on stage for the applause but specifically we haven't yet developed uh, a course that's designed exactly precisely for design and sort of behind the scenes and one of the benefits of the TGI the new build that we hope is going to come come um, to the Leosway campus is that that brings the creative arts course literally next door to the performing arts course and on the other side of the performing arts center will be our engineering department um, so we will have the capacity to really build an amazing production training for costume designers set designers lighting designers we can do we can build the big stuff we can make um artists you know take that that line between artists and performance um and and the hope is that, that the opportunity of the tgi will will bring that around oh and uh, how how would you encourage people to get involved in that who perhaps haven't thought to do so before who perhaps as you say have, have uh, wanted to be on stage and take the applause rather than get involved behind the scenes um I think there's probably a natural evolution. Some, sometimes when you're training young performers, there's a point where they go, I don't know if I really want this, but I really love the industry. And I, and equally, I think there are probably people who are part of the Amdram and the community theatre scene who really love giving their time up to build a set or paint a set or whatever they're doing. And then there's nowhere for that to develop or grow or to be um, upskilled. And that's the key, I think, is that you have to you have to be able to promote a pathway from what is a hobby, essentially, into a, a viable career that's going to pay your bills in a point of economic crisis where people are really struggling. It can't just be 
weekend jobs it can't be all, all giving it away for free we should be able to say actually there's a really good wage behind this and and there's a big market i mean the amount of events that guernsey puts on is way above its kind of island you know the population here we put on so many massive productions massive outdoor events you know the st james beausajour us at the princess royal you know there's big theaters here big venues and uh, and it's a phenomenal what i think the the the, the arts scene goes for here it's it's almost crazy you sort of sit there going like everyone just have a little calm down let's maybe do one or two good things but it feels like especially over the summer there's just like every weekend midweek there's stuff happening in the smaller venues at the tav and all those places it's, it's phenomenal um but that has to be supported by a group of people who know how to rig lights put up stuff safely how to what the the emerging kit is we've just spent a, a large the last two years spent a large amount of time and energy updating the the, the kit in the performing arts center through the state's capital bid process to modernize we've got now m way more moving lights way more led lights which are cost efficient but also we are much more versatile because of that because everything you don't have to kind of climb up and down massive ladders you can just go actually i can um from a computer i can move that light around and we can do so much more and the the theater is so much better for that and uh, so obviously there's there's quite a carrot there for people in terms of you know if 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 uh, the uk is screaming out for people with those skills then get those skills and you've got a, a route into uh, a new career potentially is it uh, absolutely necessary for the for the lasers way uh, campus to go ahead for you to be able to offer any of this or with your existing facilities i mean could you even get something up and running uh, now with you know say for lighting or stage um, construction or whatever we are looking at um, short course options. Um, that's probably more in the sort of professional CPD. So for people who are either already working in it or maybe for people who uh, support the amateur um, scene here that we can, we'll be doing weekend courses, but there's not that um, ground up training for the kind of 16 plus. We could do it at the Performing Arts Centre currently, but then our students would have to be across to Delancey for some of the for the fine art kind of equipment that we've got down there for the design work and it, it's not ideal and it's it's not optimal at the point where we where we don't know what we're going to be where we're going to be based to be building these massive new courses um so it is for me that you know the 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 opportunities that the Leosway post 16 campus delivers the theatre really selfishly I mean it's great for everybody but for me, it's a real massive opportunity to change the face of the performing arts because we can start developing the whole industry and not just looking at that kind of performance element. PRCPA director Oliver Bailey Davis there. And we'll know more about what facilities may or may not become available to him and others in the performing arts when the states sort out their priorities in the autumn. More on that on the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast in due course. Don't forget to keep an ear out for a further edition of the Arts Podcast featuring Guernsey Arts, MTG and Gadoc Fringe. And please do contact me on sdelarue at guernseypress.com if you have a project you want us to bring attention to. But for now, that's all from me. Goodbye.